listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I love Life Melbourne. I love that every time I come here, I feel like it is 100% home. And uh, if you know my life or you know my story, I've been at Life, uh, that it's been in existence its entirety. And I just love what God is doing here and um, if, you, if you've never met me, well, it is nice to meet you. Uh, I checked our preaching roster when I was coming over to when the last time was because it felt like about six months. It's actually, in fact, 12 months to the Sunday that I was here last time. So that just tells me either I did a really bad job and I, I, I didn't get invited back sooner and Craig and Nadia now just feel like they have to invite me back or that we've in as a church, been in an incredible season where it's required us all to go to a new level. And, uh, you know, what we've seen right across our campuses in the last 12 months is nothing short of significant. And whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here a long time like myself, I believe that God is establishing something in this movement that hasn't been seen before. There are a lot of great churches around Life Melbourne, but I believe that not just North Melbourne... But Melbourne as a whole, I know it's a large city. I think it's probably bigger than New Zealand in its totality. But I believe God is wanting to do something in and through this church that has never been seen before in and through this city. But I want you to capture before we go to, to the word that it doesn't just happen in a building. It doesn't just happen in an organization or an organism. It happens in people. The Bible teaches us that those who are ready, those who are willing... God will use to go far beyond you could reach or impact in the natural sense. And I I, want to say that up front because I believe God wants to do something this morning that radically changes your life, not the person next to you, but your life, to get to a new level of understanding and dependence on who God is. So I hope you're ready for that this morning because we're in this series called Heartbeat. And what is it? it? It's a chance for us over last week, this week, and the next couple of weeks to look at some of the key values here at life that shape us. What does the heartbeat look like at life? Because as I said, whether you've been here five minutes or forever, I believe these values are incredibly important for us not just to know, but to take hold of in our work in our life. Last week, Pastor Paul, via the screens, talked on people being our priority. The importance is if we don't realize that it's about people, we miss it. We lose it. It's about people. People are our priority. He said this statement, the core health of an individual or the core health of a church such as this determines its destiny. And if at the core of our church, at the core of our lives, if it's not about people, then it will vastly affect and vastly determine the destiny that it will be. Where there are people, there are problems. (laughs) I love that church is centered around people, but the core health, the heartbeat of who we are, if it's not at the core dealt with consistently and and fervently, we we will have an outcome, a destiny that we don't want. But if if we hold true to what God has given us to do, we're going to see this room have to be filled five times on a Sunday because there's just no other way because people are our priority. And that may mean looking at our own lives and preferences and saying, but but I I like the 10 a.m. It's kind of the perfect time for the family. (laughs) 
and then all of a sudden it goes to a 9 and 11. Whoa, now what do I do? Because I, I don't want to come too early because I want my sleep and I don't want to come too late because I like lunch. And, and then we get into the tension. <laughs> but we make those decisions based on what? People being our priority. We need to create room for God to do what he's already doing in our lives and other people. And I love this statement Pastor Paul made. Effective change requires external agreement and internal alignment. So it's one thing for us to come in on Sunday and say, that's a good word, Pastor Craig. Thank you for that, Pastor Nadia. It's another thing to now internally align it into our lives. And I pray this morning over the next few moments that this wouldn't just be another message you hear because I don't know about you, but I'm thankful we come into a church environment every Sunday where we get fed absolute gold. It's not about another message for me, but that you would capture the essence of what God wants you to not just externally agree with, but internally align with because the heartbeat of this house is to see something take place that we've never, ever seen before. So we're going to focus in on one of my favorite values. They're all my favorite, but this one is first. Uh, Pastor Paul mentioned, you know, the easiest way to remember them. There's eight of them. Is There's a bank called Westpac, and uh, we kind of call it Westpac, but with a double P. Worship is our wisdom. Excellence is our essence. Servanthood is our spirit. Time is our testimony. People are our priority. Partnership is our privilege. Atmosphere is our activity. And communication is our commitment. Westpac. But today we're going to focus on the first and most important one, which is worship is our wisdom. Worship is our wisdom. Because the reality is our source determines our strength. Our source determines our strength. And this is why, whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here a while, I believe this is a message for all of us because sometimes we can have preconceived ideas when we hear the word worship. But I want to challenge you that worship's more than a song. Worship's more than a moment. I believe worship is a posture. Worship is actually a lifestyle, and we all worship something, but we all get to determine what that is. And I love this passage. It's a funny passage, I guess, to open up with when we talk about worship as our wisdom. But I believe it depicts the essence of what is worship. And it's found in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. And it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you're taking notes, I'd love you to note this down. It says, Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, Sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter, Jacob, and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow (laughs) plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. And he said to them, watch this, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down onto the ground and prayed, my father... If there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Jesus speaking, yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then the angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. This is a passage of scripture found in the Bible where Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's in a challenging moment he is as we know fully human fully God and don't think about that for too long because it doesn't make sense in our puny sized brains but in his moment of humanity he finds himself at a place at a crossroads where he says God 
I feel like I'm dying. God, I don't want to do this. God, if there's any other way, and then this statement, yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. In that statement is where we find the most incredible place of surrender. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord God, we thank you. Your word declares where two or three are gathered, you're right in the midst. Father, whether we feel 100 miles away from you or we feel the closest we've ever been, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Lord God, we don't want to just do church, but we pray that as your presence is here, it would change us from the inside out. Lord God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing and all you will do, but we pray this morning you'd speak to us in a very real and tangible way. Father, I pray this wouldn't just be another message wouldn't be a bunch of ideas that I speak, but you would speak in and through my life to each one of us here today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you've been humbled by someone that has authority over you. Maybe you were speeding, you got pulled over, and the police let you know who was boss. Maybe you fell asleep in class at school and the teacher sorted you out. (laughs) That, that moment, that awkward moment where you got caught out is the easiest way I can put it. You know that moment where you are humbled by someone in ultimate authority. Well, I'll never forget being a bit of a rat bag at school when I was about eight or nine. Me and my friends decided that we would make pen guns. Now, some of you may be familiar with these, but the ballpoint pens you used to be able to snap open, take the ink shaft out, And inside the top of the pen was like a white cap. And you could jam it really hard onto the end of the ink pen and then use the spring to load up the pressure. And then the thing would fly across the room. It was great fun. The problem was this particular day, as we should have been listening in class, we were marking around. And as I was trying to load up the spring and, and not lose the top of the capping, it fired in a direction I wasn't planning for and managed to hit the teacher square in the cheek. Not only was there a ah! kind of noise, it was followed by, who was that? It's like, oh no, here we go. And the room fell pretty silent, and as is generally the case, all the kids kind of knew who it was, but no one was saying anything. And she kind of went round table by table until she found the evidence (laughs) at our table. Well, it was clearly this table. She said, now, which one of you boys was it? And in my humanity, I chose not to speak up. I was like, hey, one for all and all for one. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember all four of us getting sent to the principal's office. The one and only time I can remember going to the principal's office in my whole schooling career, but I'll never forget it. As we went up there, it was very quiet, and we kind of looked at each other, and I, I was getting hate mail from them, like, you, you should be going, not us. And I'm like, dude, we, we were all making the pens. You told me to make the pen. Like, there was this unspoken argument taking place. <laughs> As we get to the principal's office, we have to tell him what's going on and all of that. And this was back in the day where PC culture wasn't really around. And so he gave us all a toothbrush. We said, what's the toothbrush for? It was... Not a clean toothbrush, it was a rather dirty toothbrush. He said, follow me. And off we went to the boys' urinal. The big trough there in the boys' toilets that, oh yeah, was never a great sight at the best of times. And he said, this toothbrush is for you boys to clean that urinal. 
wait, what? We were just playing pen guns, man. Like, we're just having some fun. And he said, let me assure you this is your one and only warning. If anything like this happens again, this is what you'll be doing. So we got off scot-free, so I'm here to tell the story. I didn't have to clean a urinal with a toothbrush. But I tell you what, from that moment on, because of the authority being spoken in that moment, there was a change, there was a shift that took place. I, I, I was not going to be keen to ever see that become a reality, not on my watch anymore. But isn't it funny, you know, I think as Christians, sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we, we can allow the misunderstanding of who God is and what He's done, doing, and will do to drive us to think we know best. Why was it we made pen guns? Well, one of the reasons probably was because we were boys and we were bored in school, and that's that. But we thought we knew better. Why is it that we get caught out in these moments, these awkward moments in life? Often it always boils down to the fact that we know best. But I've come to discover that Humility comes one of two ways. <laughs> I've come to discover in my own life that either you get to humble yourself or you will be humble. See, it doesn't take long, the Bible says, till the things in our life we aren't proud of come to the surface. The dark things come to light. It's the way the world works. It's the way God has set it up. But how many of us, I'm talking about myself right now, find ourselves in moments in our life where we are a part of things or we do things because we know best. Why is it so different for a child versus an adult? A child is at a stage in their life where they understand at a young age, I'm not able to do what you can do, so I need you in my life. Yet the moment we start to develop at eight, at nine, eight and nine, we're doing things that we don't Well, that we know we shouldn't do, but we don't take the advice of our own head, so to speak. We go ahead and do it because it's fun or it feels right or, well, everyone's doing it. And then the moment of humility comes. And I know in my own life I've discovered I'd rather have control of the humility myself than be handed it down in my life. And the interesting thing about humility is you and I find ourselves in this tension because when it comes to us in someone else's authority, we have to make a really intentional decision. Do I live under the shame of that moment or do I make a decision to change in that moment? This is why the value is worship is our wisdom because wisdom is about knowledge. Wisdom is about understanding. And if we're not careful, all worship will be is the two songs after the two fast songs on a Sunday morning or the track I play in my car. It, it's not limited to a song, yet lack of knowledge would say, yeah, well, what is worship? Well, worship's the slow songs, <laughs> the quieter songs. Worship is our wisdom challenges you and I to actually go a little bit deeper. So you know what? Worship's not just a song. It's great in a song but it's not just a song. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a posture. And if wisdom is about knowledge, I believe worship is about surrender. 
Because when I know, when I have knowledge, my life is living in surrender to who God is, to His ways, then I now live with an assurance and I live with a confidence to know not only who I am, but who He is. See, surrender is something we struggle with because it feels like we lose out. Surrender is a dichotomy in our brain because I have to let go and therefore I lose out. Yet the Bible says, no, no, no. His ways are countercultural. The moment you surrender is the moment you have access. And in surrender, you now have a confidence and an ability in that moment to make a decision to change what's needing changed versus a moment of living in shame and being derailed for a long season of your life. Worship is our wisdom. I find it interesting that in the Bible, there's two gardens that are talked about. One right at the beginning of the Bible where Adam and Eve find themselves in, and then this garden we read of in Gethsemane. Where Jesus finds himself, he brings the disciples along and he asks them, hey, it's a, it's a tough moment. Can you stay? Can you pray? And in one garden with Adam and Eve, there's a representation of this I know best decision. Yet in the garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus came to create a way where there was no way, there was still a realness. I don't want this. Yet ultimately, there was a surrender, not my will, but your will be done. And I love the picture that the Bible creates that even though we may have found ourselves often at times in the first garden, making a decision that ultimately leads to death, so to speak, we've gotten an example and a way out in Jesus where he says, hey, if you can get to the place where you're real with God, God, this sucks right now. All hell is breaking loose. I feel like I'm dying, Jesus himself. Yet not what I want, but what you want. And what took place? What took place? Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. The moment we surrender is the moment his power comes in. But how many of us are in the war of trying to pursue what we want and saying, hey, God, when you're ready, you can add on to my life. I've discovered this is more than just a church value, but needs to be a daily decision to choose worship as my wisdom, to be in knowledge of how powerful, how important, and how brilliant it is to live in a complete surrender, a complete devotion of who God is. And surrender sometimes, I think, we think can be portrayed as weakness. But the Bible declares that in your weakest moment, in my weakest moment, that is when he is at his strongest moment. It doesn't mean he grows another couple of muscles. He's always strongest. Yet it's our dependence and in our weakness that he now has permission from us to work on our behalf. So we need to recognize that worship is not just limited to a song, although I believe in worshiping God through song. I believe it's powerful. The, the Bible says that it's always been a contended point. Satan himself and his fallen angels 
were, Satan himself was the worship leader of heaven. <laughs> Worship's a contentious point because the enemy doesn't want you to worship God. And ultimately, you find in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 where Satan is saying, hey, hey, I will do this, I will do that, I will, I will, my way, my way, my way. And ultimately, it was the lack of surrender that led to his full demise. Worship is a contentious point. And so I want to look at three simple things, and then we're going to create an environment to worship God. Create an environment for God to do something. Because actually, to be honest, it's only Him and Him alone and His presence that changes our lives. We can share some great thoughts, we can have some great moments, but it's the presence of God in your life and my life that changes who we are. So we're going to look at three things that I believe worship requires. Number one, I believe worship requires honor at all times. Honor at all times. What do I mean by that? Now, I think it's easy to honor someone when you're in the moment when they're pulling a gun. Surrender. Hands up. I'm good. I'll honor you. <laughs> My life's worth more than dying right now. There's an ease about honoring authority when you're made to honor. But that is not the definition of true honor. See, honor is actually about a decision point you and I get to make when it comes to our relationship with God. I understand the Bible correctly. God created you with a plan and a purpose. He didn't create you and then want to use your life in a place that you don't like. <laughs> like what kind of God would that be? Hey, let's make Sally and let's make her life miserable. No, that doesn't make sense to me. But we have to choose to honor God for who he is. God is and will always be. He, he's the God of all creation. He, he created your life for a plan and a purpose. This is why it's important to discover that as soon as you can because then you realize your life can come alive in the things he's already pre-planned and predestined for you. That's why we harp on about next steps and the importance of it because it's there designed over a three-week period to help you align your life to the purpose that's already been placed on the inside. You come alive when you start to honor God and what he has for your life. But some people today need to realize that you're going to actually have to settle today that God is God. As I was preparing just even earlier this morning, I felt like God wanted to remind some people there's still a question over a situation that took place in your family. And God's not afraid of the question. He wants you to know that. But the challenge for you and I is to get to a place of knowledge, wisdom, that God is God, and when I remove the question, I don't have to find an answer. See, the challenge is we go looking for the answer, but He is our answer. And answers, generally, humanly speaking, have outcomes attached. But the outcome for someone here today that needs to hear it, the wisdom today is to trust and declare, God, you are God. You're in control, and I'm trusting you. That is my answer. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to just be this brand new conviction. But I believe as you declare that, the wisdom in that statement is going to lead you to a new place of freedom in that area, in that moment, over your family. Because the enemy wants you and I to live diminished in our understanding of who God is and what he's constantly done and constantly doing. Honor puts God in his rightful place 
and instantly removes whatever plan the enemy has because, no, 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 I'm honoring God for God. I'm not honoring God for the job promotion, as awesome as that is, and that is God. I'm honoring God for God. I love that. If you picked it up in the statement, I'm singing this out of a conviction, not because I got the promotion, but I had a revelation that the song had something on for my life, and I had to declare his promise is yes and amen. Although I don't see it right now, I will choose to honor God for who he is. And the moment we honor him, the moment we worship him for who he is, is the moment he comes in and does his peace. Honor is so critical. The book of 1 Chronicles 16, verse 25 to 28 says this, Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and the Lord is strong. Can we be people that place God sovereign over our lives? Can we get to a place where above all else, God, I am honoring you First and foremost, out of that declaration, although we may not have seen it take place in this area yet, we now give God permission through our worship to actually be at work on our behalf. Pastor Paul puts it this way. I love this statement. Easier said than done in my own life because it's a battle, but we need to be people that live with an unqualified yes. (laughs) Live with an unqualified yes. Some of you may experience this at work where people don't understand why you go to church and you're a Christian. It doesn't make sense to them. There's going to be moments, just because you're a Christian, the bad stuff doesn't just disappear. (laughs) There's going to be moments in your journey and your relationship with Jesus where you're actually just going to have to, in an unqualified way, say yes to who he is. God, I, I don't get it right now, but I'm saying yes. There's count after count after count in the Bible of stories where people said, man, this is counter what we're doing, but I'm going to say yes. Life and where we are at as a church is being based off the unqualified yes. Pastor Paul and Marie model this with incredible faith and, and the challenge is that you're stepping out into the unknown, but what are you doing? You're placing God sovereign and allowing him to work in your life. Secondly, not only does worship require honor at all times, I believe worship requires an activated self-surrender. An activated self-surrender. You know, the reality is I think our lives always bow to something. We all bow to something. We all surrender to a thing in our lives. Maybe right now, that thing you're bowing to is addiction. Maybe right now you're bowing to the financial pressure that your spending has now moved you into as far as your current reality. We, we all bow. The question is, what are you bowing to? We all surrender to something, but we all get to decide what we surrender to. I think idols of yesteryear, what we read in the Bible, these statues that were made, it, it, it's no... Um, old expired concept, but I think idols in this day and age, a lot of the time are attached to self. Our idols are self-centered 
natured things where it's actually about what we want, not what he wants, what we can do, not what he can do. And the, and, and the self-centered nature of our society is a challenge for you and I to outwork. And in the book of Romans, in the Passion Translation, Romans 1 verse 21 to 25 says this pretty challenging passage of Scripture. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be super intelligent, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship, the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion amongst themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all the things. Glory and praise is to him for eternity of eternities. Amen. Let's never be too okay with clouding over the truth of who God is and what he asks of us to do. You see, we can live so easily trapped by the lies of well-meaning people, the lies of, well, it's different now in society, the lies of, well, you just don't get my scenario or my situation, and we can get trapped like generation after generation after generation in self-idolatry, if you want to put it that way. Yet worship requires you and I to have self-surrender. I am giving over the things that I want ultimately to replace them with the things you want as Jesus modeled again. God, not my will. Like if there is any other way, hook a brother up. Right now would be real good. But if, it's if this is what you're calling me to, if this is the life you asked me to live, if you, you are God, I will trust you more than I will trust my feelings. I will trust myself. And I want to challenge you, it's not just self-surrender, but an activated self-surrender. The person sitting next to you can't do it for you. The pastoral team that prays for people on a Sunday can't do it for you. God himself, he can't do it for you. Only you can activate your self-surrender. Isn't it interesting we read that God withdrew his hand? God doesn't want a religion. He wants a relationship. God doesn't want a bunch of clones or robots that do what he says and do what he does because he made them do it. He gives us the power of self-choice. And the danger for you and I is that we know ourselves and our humanity, so we rob ourselves from God's grace because we say, I stuffed up again. I've done it again. But today someone needs to hear that this could be your line in the sand moment where God says, no, no, it doesn't matter what you've done. That's religion. Just, just walk through religion for a moment and get to relationship, please. Let go of what was, come back to an activated self-surrender. And in that moment, God meets us 
right where we're at. And then third and finally, let's, let's believe that as our worship goes up, that it requires this release of a divine authority. Release of a divine authority. The team are going to join me on stage, and I don't want you to get distracted, because like I said, I really feel like we need to move this to a point where we respond this morning. But I want you to understand that it doesn't just require us to honor God for who He is. It doesn't just require us to have a self-sacrifice on a daily basis, but realize that worship being your wisdom gives you access to full divine authority. There's a powerful passage of Scripture in the book of Acts, and it's Paul and Silas. They find themselves in prison. And I love what it says here in Acts 16, verse 25 to 26. Paul and Silas, watch this, undaunted. They're in prison. The cells are closed, but they're undaunted. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. I believe someone needs to hear this morning that you need to realize your worship invokes divine authority over not only your life, but the people that are in your orbit. That the moment you choose, even though you may feel like you're in jail, whether you should be there or you shouldn't be there, the the moment you feel enclosed, you can make a decision not to cower, but as Paul and Silas were, be undaunted and choose to declare that worship will be my wisdom. And as they sung, what happened? Divine authority came in to their cell, (laughs) into the whole block. The earthquake shook and the doors flung open. I believe this morning there's going to be people that are going to walk out free from the prison cell you find yourselves in. And not only that, come on, but the family and the friends that can't get out themselves are going to be free because of your declaration to choose to worship and let it be your wisdom. Our degree of human dependence determines the degree of His divine authority. Surrender which is worship in a nutshell, is the birthplace of alignment. So not just external agreement, as I said, as Pastor Paul declared, but internal alignment. Worship will get you to a place where not only will you start to see things clearly, but you have access to all God has. And so I'd love every person not to be distracted, but maybe to stand to your feet. And we're going to worship for a moment. And I believe we're going to go somewhere with this just for a couple of moments. Because I believe this is more than a message, but a decision point for people. And as the team are going to lead us in this incredible song called Jesus at the Center, I want you just to take a moment to reflect at where things are at for you and worship God, not just because I'm asking you to, but worship Him for who He is, honor. Maybe for you, getting to a place of surrender, or maybe finally it's actually about saying, you know what, I need to invoke the divine authority over my life and my situation. Because we get to determine whether Jesus is our assurance or our insurance policy. We get to live out of an assurance that He is who He is, or we just live with Him as the get-out-of-jail-free card that Monopoly provides. <laughs> we got to get to a place where Jesus is not just our reliance, but He's our dependence, that we depend on Him coming through every single day of our lives. And ultimately, make sure that we are following Him 
He's not following us. <laughs> because that's really what it's all about. Our life in Christ is following Him, not asking Him to follow us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.